Hello, Thursday, March 4th. The first time I did this open that we uh, just had to redo, I said, hey, hey, good show. You're going to enjoy it. I'm not 100% sure if you're going to, actually. But if you do, please be a friend, tell a friend. If you don't like the show, just act like it never happened. Today's show, though, I will say after recording it, uh, there was a little bit of a reaction. Mm -hmm. did stir the pot just a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a certain pocket of uh, our listenership that is not going to like today's show. <laughs> not because of us. No, no, nothing we said. Let's get to it. <laughs> uh, anyways, today, big day. Big, big day. Okay? Big day. Golden Tate released from the New York Giants just yesterday, saving them like $6 million worth of cash. Kyle Van Noy was the first. Kyle Rudolph would then happen. Golden Tate's now happening. Will Lutz, kicker for the Saints, renegotiating his contract down in New Orleans. This comes just one day after a tweet from Diana Rossini, who will be joining us today at 1225 Eastern Standard Time, where she said that one NFL head coach told her that next week is going to be a massacre in the NFL. We'll talk to her about what that means. I assume the Golden Tate, Kyle Rudolph, Kyle Van Noy thing will continue to roll into next week in a much bigger fashion. We said this yesterday, and I think it's the best way to describe it. Your favorite player on your favorite team, the guy that you have the jersey of, if he didn't have his best year he's ever had last year, look for them to redo his contract or send his ass out of town. That's what it sounds like. We'll talk to Diana Rossini about that in about 20 minutes or so. Can I wait to chat with her? Also, Warren Sharp of Sharp Analytics will join us in the second hour talking about the numbers, the free agency, who spends, who loses, who wins. I get a bit bored with the analytics stuff, but mm -hmm. he has an ability to kind of spice it up a little bit, especially with that beautiful mustache that he has. And then legendary kicker. Formerly of the New England Patriots and the Chicago Bears, ladies and gentlemen, the San Francisco 49er kicker currently, Robbie Gold. Okay. Fair done, fair done. You have him in a Chicago Bear uniform, Zito. Uh, oh, what happened? He kind of snuck through the cracks there. I would like to let every 49ers fan know that watches the show, which is not a lot, by the way. We do not have a lot of 49ers fans in the demographic we've been told uh, by the analytics people on the internet. We do not have a lot of Niners fans that watch. But that Robbie Gold graphic yeah. is very rude for the amount of money that you guys paid for him. What? Uh, the Chicago Bears kicked his ass yep. out of fucking yeah. town. Yeah. Oh, no. This yeah. is oh, absolute no. bullshit, and this comes from Zito, who is a Chicago Bear fan. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? He leads our points. He played he for us for 10 our... years. We love him. No, no. You guys actually kicked him out of town just yeah. like Tom Brady got kicked out of New England. Now, with that being said, Robbie Gold <sighs> is at the point now where if he misses a kick, it's surprising. Mm -hmm. It's alarming. Now, just like Justin Tucker, when he misses, it's like news. That's what Robbie Gold's been doing for like the last 10 years. Uh, cannot wait to chat with him. I actually met him when I went to the Penn State kicking camp uh, whenever I was in high school. He was the current kicker for the Penn State Nittany Lions. He was running on the treadmill as if he was a marathon man as we were getting a tour <laughs> through the building or whatever. I'd go on to kick like 60, 65-yard field goals at that camp. Uh, they would then send me letters with my picture on a Penn State football player. Uh, can't wait. Tom Bradley, who was formerly a defensive coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers and up Penn State for a long, long time. I don't know where he's at. I get handwritten letters from him. Can't wait for you to be a Penn State Nittany Lion. Mm -hmm. How you doing? Here we go. Uh, and then they... they uh, Mike McQuarrie, you can Google him. That guy actually said, I was not Penn State material. Uh, thank God, it sounds like <laughs> Yeah. With yeah. the way that guy judged Penn State yep. material or yeah. whatever. But I got a chance to meet Robbie Gold. He was always very nice to me. 
as when we got in the NFL, uh, the Chicago Bears and us, we had uh, a joint practice when Robbie was still in Chicago. He was always very nice to me. Robbie Gold's been around a long time, always been very nice. First time he's going to be on the show, I cannot wait to chat with him. COVID Cowboy, Tone Diggs is here. Diggs, it seems like things are starting to pop off in the NFL world now. We'll gamble on this college basketball. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll fuck around with the fading Foxy, mm-hmm. which is now a super boost on FanDuel until he... Wins. Think could go forever. So, wow. so last night, Fade Foxy boost was uh, Portland plus two and a half or whatever. That obviously covers. Uh, for those of us that backed Foxy last night, that wasn't a fucking charge. Okay? <laughs> that wasn't two nights in a row. These charge calls by these stripes are screwing my bets over. Dame time came through at the end, okay? Didn't have the greatest game, but he hits a step back three that looked like an air ball. Okay, I was watching it. I thought it was an air ball. It was mm-hmm. so clean it went through. And then all of a sudden, Golden State has a chance to go back. Golden State was Foxy's lock yesterday. Foxy's locks have gone 7-17 seven and 17 over the last 24 <laughs> days. God. Okay, I've been with them the entire ride. Last night, we were supposed to win. Golden State has a chance to answer Dame time. Steph Curry has the ball. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry was in um, Matt Barnes's all-time fantasy three-point shooting contest. One of the greatest shooters of all time. I think it was Larry Bird, Steph Curry, Reggie Miller, Clay Thompson, and I forget who the fifth one was. Somebody's going to attack me for it. I apologize, that whole thing. But Steph Curry's on your team. Okay? You need it. You need something. Mm-hmm. You need something. I'm betting with Foxy here. The fade Foxy people are pumped. Steph Curry... Has the ball. He couldn't get that ball out of his hand fast enough. Nobody talked. Everybody like would bury LeBron early. Last night, Steph could have made a shot. I mean, he that's what he does. Gives the ball to Draymond fucking Green. <laughs> I love Draymond Green. Okay, I absolutely love Draymond Green. What he what he's been able to do, both media-wise and players. But Steph Curry couldn't get that ball out of his hands fast enough. Draymond Green then sprints at the hoop like he's Usain Bolt, okay? And Damian Lillard hits a, a moving sidewalk right in front of him. And he's still it. Full speed, get in front of him, run over the ref, fuck, the whole thing, you know what I mean? I just woke up, I lose again, we suck again. Uh, but the Fade Foxy bit, bet is 1-0 on Super Boost uh, on FanDuel. It'll probably happen again tonight, look out for it. But this Foxy dude's on vacation, cost me a lot of fucking money. What I believe happens there, Steph has a deal with Draymond that if Draymond doesn't get thrown out by the end of the game, he does get the last shot of the game. I like Draymond. Like That's the type of guy you want on your team, okay? He's going to oh, get yeah. all the fouls, all right? He's going to talk all the shit, he's going to do all that. Good rebounder. He got screwed last night. That was not a charge, okay? That was clearly a block. Draymond's going to go knock those down, by the way, and we're going to move on. With that being said, why does he have the ball there? <laughs> why, why? I don't know basketball, but why does he have He's the... shot out of a cannon. Oh, my God. He was in a full sprint. <laughs> he might have the quickest burst in the NBA. I've never seen somebody get to full speed that fast. And then all of a sudden, he just trucks. It was, it was a nightmare. But anyways, let's get back to what we were going to talk about. The NFL's heating up here. Oh, yeah. Hey. Teams are about to look very different, Diggs. Teams are about to look very, very different, I think. Now, uh, Diana's going to be able to tell us more here in about 15 minutes, but this is insanity. This is something we've never seen before. Pete, that's how it's being described, and it's only going to start Golden Tate getting released. I don't think any of us are, you know, that wasn't like a shocker. They're saving $6 million. It seemed like he wasn't practicing or whatever last year. It didn't seem like it was a good fit. Golden Tate kind of, you know, later in his career, probably has many years left. I'm not, he seems to be in great shape and has still got it or whatever. He's going to go somewhere probably that has a chance to win or whatever. But I think there's going to be a lot of ring chasing available within the next week or so. And that's good for shows that have to go daily and talk about next to nothing. It's great for shows. Uh, It's great for us to talk about 
it's great for teams. Some teams, not so much. Like, Golden Tate got released, and I was like, oh, perfect. He tagged the Steelers last time he was a free agent or whatever. He was trying to get to the Steelers. But then you look at the cap, and you're like, oh, there's pretty much no way that our team's going to be involved in this awesome year where all these great players are going to have to get cut, and we could sign to get better. Nope. Nope. No, yeah, your team stinks. <laughs> yeah, in this particular facet. Uh, salary yeah. cap. Your team potentially a lot of stinks. teams. A lot of teams are going to be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, but, that guy would help us." But there's a few teams that are in a really good spot. Yeah, Indianapolis Colts are one of those yeah. teams. New England Patriots are one of those teams. Mm-hmm. There are some other teams that can really get good. Carolina Panthers, I believe, have a lot of cap space. There are some teams, and whenever um, uh, old buddy from was it the Vikings owner? No, Kansas City owner. Arizona. Arizona's owner, who yeah. just signed J.J. Watt, said there's going to be a seismic shift in the NFL as we see it over the next week or two with the way people are going to try to get under the salary cap. Things are going to change. You know, teams are about to come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Teams are about to be loaded with talent. Now, talent could only get you so far. Will they be able to come together and win like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to do, like the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to do over the last couple of years? That is all TBD. It seems like the Miami Dolphins, you know, seems like Gumpy's team, the Miami Dolphins, they're not going to be in the game to try to build up. But what if they were clear in space? You know, what if mm-hmm. Kyle Van Noy, something happened we don't know about. We will talk to him eventually when he lands on his feet somewhere. He's going to go ring chase, I'd assume, at this point of his career. Probably want to stay in Florida. Had said he potentially had FOMO when he saw Rob and Tom celebrating. That seems like that could potentially be a good fit for him mm-hmm. uh, in Tampa. But we'll see how that goes. But what if they're just clear in space? What if Russell Wilson comes down to Miami? Yeah. Will that change everything? Or if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, are you like, uh, no, we suck again forever? Unless it's Deshaun Watson at this point, that's the only thing that makes sense. But they they have cap space. There's 25 million there before Van Noy was cut, I believe. Okay, so we'll go through all the cap space. Obviously, that thing's been listed out, and we'll we'll do that whole conversation. The Deshaun Watson conversation is uh, Gridiron, which is a uh, social media account that um, that does football stuff. Oh, yeah, I believe it's under Bleacher Report Shield. Is Gridiron? I think I, th- I believe so. so. There also no, could, that's be BR a, gridiron. There could be a BR Gridiron. That's oh, BR Gridiron. Can you put that graphic up that I put uh, the, the Chicago Bears gang. one? The Chicago Bears Deshaun Watson one? Hold up. Oh, oh, oh. There we go. That's just gridiron. So that's not Whoa. Bleacher Report gridiron there. That's oh. just gridiron. I'm sorry to gridiron. I'm not. I think it might be a UK. This might be a UK thing. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, they're quoting Jeff Darlington's reporting of it's going to be tough to find a team that's willing to give up as much as the Bears are right now for Deshaun Watson. Zito, how's it going, pal? Deshaun Watson, though, if he ends up at the Chicago Bears. Now, we have been told that the Houston Texans are answering any phone calls but now jeff darlington is reporting that the chicago bears are doing the most to get to sean watson i did not hear that did not expect that ryan pace who has heard all the trubisky jokes about mitchell trubisky being drafted over patrick mahomes and Deshaun watson is like we can make this right right now as long as these motherfuckers down there will answer the call it seems like they haven't been able to do that i did not expect the chicago bears to be in the deshaun watson sweepstakes oh, yeah. but russell wilson also said i love chicago oh, yeah. Look for Chicago to maybe make some plays, huh, Ty? Hell you got yeah. Motor City, Dan Campbell in Detroit. Yeah, we I talked mean, to him yesterday. I'm a believer. 
So am I. I mean, okay. that's that's I, that's the one to be worried about. I I am not the the Bears stink, and also like <laughs> whoa, who are they, who are they going to get? Like I don't think they have very much draft capital, do they? I think they're still recovering. I mean, they traded like five first round picks when they got Khalil uh, Khalil Max. So I don't know. I mean, and their line stinks. They got a lot of work to do. I don't. That's why I don't know why Russ wants to go there so bad. Deshaun. I mean, I guess he just wants to get out of there. But I'm not worried about the Bears. Now Miami obviously is the everybody's thought that that's where Deshaun will go. That's where Russell would go. That's mm-hmm. where those quarterbacks that are, you know, way up there that would demand a lot of capital because Miami has three within the first 50 picks or something. Like, yeah. Three yeah. within the first 50, or 60 picks. They have three picks within the first 60 picks. 57 is the last one? Do we know what the, the I think third it's even earlier. It might be three within the first 40. Okay, so they have two in the first, and then they have one in the Early second. Early second. Yeah. yeah, so they have three picks, which is what – allegedly the Seattle Seahawks have come out and said that's where the conversations are starting at. So let's assume the Deshaun Watson conversation are the same because Stafford went for two firsts in a future or something, so they're probably going to expect three firsts in that whole thing. And the Miami Dolphins have it. They basically, yeah. here you go. This year, too, not like down the road. We have it right now. Everybody would assume they get in the game, uh, but with the cut of Kyle Van Noy, it's kind of like, are they or are they not, or what are they doing? And are they believers in Tua? You know, because... Oh. Sounds like no one else is. What is the deal? <laughs> yeah. What is the deal? I don't know. Devontae Smith wins a Heisman this year. Uh, alongside his Heisman finalist, Mac Jones, uh, quarterback brother, okay? Mm-hmm. He was asked by an NFL team at Senior Bowl or something like that, if you had to pick between Mac Jones or Tua, who would you pick? That team scumbaggingly leased that out to a reporter. The reporter's doing their job, okay? Like They're just doing what they're being told. or right? what They're just reporting the information they're being told or whatever. The NFL team, though, that reported, Devontae, like, without hesitation, said, Mac Jones, by far over to it. No, <laughs> like, that's how it was reported, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. And it's like, well, you put Devontae in a terrible spot here. The NFL team asked him the question, okay, let's hear it because this could potentially help us out, and we want to know if he'll be real with us or not. And then immediately, we're going to break the trust of an interviewer or conversation, and we're going to go ahead and report this publicly. So whoever did that, kind of fucked up for sure now we got the nfl network asking uh j dub mm-hmm. uh jalen waddle uh, another stud wide receiver on an appearance just yesterday i believe this this is a public time so Devonte got a gotcha question within private that got leaked mm-hmm. fucked up nfl network then is like well this information is already out there <laughs> we might as well ask another wide receiver can we run that video dolphins have three 18 36 and 50 so four within the first 50. That's a lot of picks. Can we run that, please? This one might be unfair, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you either way, right? So, <laughs> so bear with me, Jalen. Article last week that said when Devontae Smith was in Mobile and he was talking to all the teams, someone asked him, hey, who'd you prefer? Devontae Smith. Tour or Mac? And he allegedly went, oh, Mac. Can I ask you the same question? Uh, <laughs> kind of fucked up, but yeah, I guess. I like Mac Jones, too. Um, oh. I, I, I like Mac Jones. Definitive. Um, just my preference. Um, both of them great quarterbacks, but I love uh, Matt. He was the guy that I came in with, and from day one, we was on the third team together, and we worked our way up. Um, so, uh, Matt. Okay, so that's Jalen Waddle. That's 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 very interesting because there wasn't like a, you know, two a great dude, love mm-hmm. two, love what he did. We had a lot of success together. By the way, they did uh, those two. Uh, love what love what we accomplished. There was none of that. Now I'm not saying that he's been media trained or whatever to give like a an answer that doesn't potentially burn any bridges or anything like that. He's given a real answer, but it is a little bit interesting now that people who've been around him are like this one guy that started only one year 
uh, cried in a mugshot, yeah. uh, has a bad body, can't really run that much. <laughs> He's much better than the guy that just got drafted. That's wild to me. And that's, by the way, have to say it again. That is a incredibly unfair position for Waddle to be put in right there. Mm-hmm. Like, incredibly unfair. That is, I mean, I, I understand asking the question. I don't actually. No. I don't understand that, asking the having question. Having a laugh about well, it. Well, especially too. on like, NFL Network. On, it's like you're, 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 you're putting friendships here now yeah. into a potential situation. But they got to do what they got to do. They got a clip. We're using it. Shout out to NFL Network. They do a lot of great shit. And I also like that guy. Siciliano. I actually like Siciliano a lot. But, he, you know, it's just he probably had it in his ear. You know, somebody probably told him in that whole thing. Um, but this has been alarming to hear. Like Now, we don't know how Devontae answered it. We don't know how Devontae answered that. But, man, I thought there would be at least be like a – because you see him with his ukulele mm-hmm. and he's singing and everything. There isn't even like a – There's no pause. He's not hesitant yeah, at all like, to answer that, that question. What's it's that just, all about? Mac, he couldn't say Mac Jones fast oh, enough. Right. Yeah. I, I like Mac too, yeah. <laughs> well, we j- decided. We talked about <laughs> it. But this has been a conversation all year. We're like, thank God we got this guy. Like that. What if that's how the conversation goes? And if you're Tua, yeah, you got money now, right? And you're potentially the quarterback for – Maybe the first three quarters for the Dolphins of every single game next mm-hmm. year. It's like, yeah, like, but you're hearing a lot of like your your old friends, teammates, college. I mean, that's like a thing just come out. It's kind of fucked up that we're even reporting about it, but we have to. Like, this is a real thing. <laughs> Gotta do it. Well, another wild part about it is, as a freshman, Jalen Waddle had his best year. As a as a sophomore, he had his second best year. Those were both with Tua, and then this year he played six games before he got hurt with Mac Jones. So he played a lot more with Tua than he did with Mac Jones. Yeah, you know, I had those great years and all that, but Tua stinks. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it kind of felt like. Yeah. In Mac, by the way, or uh, Waddle there, terrible spot. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a terrible position to be in. Just, you know, that's one of those questions I think somebody who's never been in a locker room would ask, right? And that's a large majority of people. But, I mean, because you're putting somebody, you're pinning people friends, teammates, Mm -hmm. everything against each other. And that's just like wild. But what if Tua had Sarkeesian's offense? Okay, what if, but now granted, would that have helped him going into the NFL? I would assume, but that Sarkeesian offense, very NFL-like offense, a lot of motions. There was a lot of people open and Mac had to read defenses. And and I'm, hey, listen, I'm not saying they're lying. They like Mac better, Mac's better. I'm just saying this is wild to hear, especially if you're a Dolphins fan, about former teammates that are just like, hey, this guy who only played one year of football, who lit it up, is going to probably play in the NFL now with the way everybody's talking about his film and everything like that. There isn't even a pause, it sounds like, for that whole answer. That's a, It's a wild time to be a Dolphins fan. Hey, Snowflake got stolen. You guys battled through. Dan Marino, mm-hmm. you know, he came and gone. Yeah. Now you guys have to deal with teammates of your starting quarterback saying this guy stinks and if you remember we talked to Kyle Van Noy last year whenever he was on the Dolphins mm-hmm. he was on Dolphins for one year and uh we asked him about Tua and he said yeah Tua's cool and all that but oh, oh it's magic. magic he did that whole thing yeah that's the other thing is it's not ju- at this point it's not just like these Alabama guys saying it like they were all jacked up when Fitz was playing he's not there next year what if the Dolph like if they don't trade him and the Dolphins start like zero and six next year oh my God Tua not Tua. good for Tua what about zero and seven maybe zero oh, and eight. seven oh, yeah zero oh, and nine what what all the way up to seventeen times there will be a team that will lose seventeen games in one regular season and it'll be the first time ever what are you gonna say Nick remember we talked to Najee Harris like a week or two ago and kind of reference both him playing with both of them and he spoke at length about how Max stepped up. Everything in his answer was all about Max stepping up and Max stepping in taking. A, he didn't really mention two at all. Some dopehead in the office said <laughs> the uh, 
he, I mean, he is. Mm-hmm. Okay. This guy. Yeah. Borderline. This, it's a problem. This coastal elitist comes over yeah. here yeah. and just starts. I mean, first of all, we only have CBD here, so he's going right. to bring in his yeah. own or mm-hmm. whatever. And he might plow through an O a day, this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Without remorse. I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievable. And it's, it's legal where I come from, and I've never seen anything like it. Hey, pal, come back down to earth sometimes. Let your feet touch the ground, Seriously. pal. He's got his mouth surgically attached to that thing. Well, I mean. while this guy was hovering way above all of us, <laughs> okay, he said maybe at Alabama with the thought that, and it was a good point by him. So whatever state of mind he was in, like he got to a good point. You know, Jalen Hurts goes out, Tua gets put in. Then Tua is kind of like just automatically propped up as this young guy freshman. In Alabama, these guys sit for two, three years of practice. Like, hey, I got to grind it out against four other five stars, three other first-round draft picks in my position. Maybe it's the way the Tua career at Alabama went. that that Because you heard him say, we were third stringers together. Mm-hmm. We had to grind it out. Because that's kind of the Alabama thing. You talked to Najee. We talked to Najee last week. He talked about how he wants Alabama because the competition, who he's practicing against in practice, and you kind of have to earn your way up through there. Maybe it's because Tua, you know, didn't ever have that class really that he had to grind with because he was dropped immediately into like a senior class, a junior class, and then he kind of got moved up. Maybe that's why there isn't as much of a connection, it feels, alongside his teammates. But, man, that is a little bit alarming. This is the classic did anybody go to his birthday party That's question? right. Great That's question. right. They also maybe just think Tua stinks. Like, hey, we played with him. Like, you know, we made him a lot better. And then now look at him. Yeah, he stinks in the NFL. Whoa. We like Mac. Tua stinks. See, Ty, that's that thing that I would have never thought of. Okay? <laughs> I, I automatically think that this is off the field related as opposed mm-hmm. to on the field related. Because whenever you ask somebody about their teammate, normally your first reaction is going to be an answer about them as a human as opposed oh. to on the field. Right. Right? Like, that's the type of thing. And I think what, if you listen to Waddle's answer, it was more like we grinded it out. Like, yeah. The friends, the f- yeah, the buddies, and Waddle and Tua had massive success together. It's like you know, like Pat and Steve, for instance. And I hate talking about this, but I got a chance to experience it and li- live it or whatever. And I hate going back. There's a lot of success, though. I mean, it was um, Pat and Steve were inseparable. Okay, you, you saw one of them, you saw the other one. Now Darius Reynaud, he started getting it. Like they were just like you start seeing. Whenever you start creating good chemistry off the field, normally that's when chemistry starts cooking on the field. And that's the X factor that doesn't get measured at the combine or you can't pay for anything like that. So when you hear these answers about Tua, it makes me start to wonder, like, will that ever be something in Miami that'll be able to come together around him, you know? The pressure is mounting. Kid doesn't deserve it, though. <laughs> no. Waddle I mean, didn't deserve that question. No. Devontae didn't deserve that question. But the answers publicly... Tua doesn't deserve. Not at all. At all, but we have to take these in and learn from them. Joining us now is a lady who works at ESPN who has been basically breaking all of the news. Yeah. All of the news. We have referenced her Twitter account at least once a day for the last three weeks, probably at this point. She was the only person that had any real information on the J.J. Watt situation. Ladies and gentlemen, former soccer player, now ESPN NFL insider, and pundit, ladies and gentlemen, Diana Rossi. Guys, oh my goodness, what a uh, what a welcome! I will come on the show anytime. Um, <laughs> That's great news. You actually had all the news, Pat. I mean, you were getting text messages from from that Watt camp there, uh, and I listened and I watched closely to see what JJ was going to say because you got to always wonder, you know, 
I'll t- I'll be very honest. It wasn't JJ telling me what the money was. Yeah, I was it was the Cardinals. To yeah. JJ directly. So I'm like, <laughs> is he going to deny this? Like, what's he going to say? Because it probably works in his favor to say. Yeah, this report's right. You yeah. know, it's pretty good money. Well, that's the thing. Whenever you reported that, and it was because there was so much shit flowing. I mean, the J.J. Watt rumor flood that was just coming out was insane. Whenever your tweet came out, J.J. Watt has received several offers from teams. The best offer he has received right now is between 15 and $16 million per year. Per sources. Shout out your sources, by the way. But we immediately over here was like, that's bullshit. There's no way. There is no way a team offered him 15 to 16 million because we all thought whenever he was leaving, it was like, okay, he's going to go three to five million incentive base, go try to get a ring or whatever. When you reported that, everybody was like, there's no way. Hindsight, you're the only person that had any of the accurate information. Whenever you're doing this, and there's about to be a bunch, I guess, with this massacre coming up that you reported, how are you going to balance through what's real and what isn't? And what did you mean by massacre? Is it about to get ugly out here? Yeah, I'll go through all those questions there, starting with, I watched your reaction to the tweet of JJ's numbers, and I was like, Pat is single-handedly ruining my credibility <laughs> for, for like 15 years in the league, you know, oh, trying to keep up with the big boys, and you're up there, you're like, this is horseshit. <laughs> no, 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 I apologize. I, it, wasn't I was like, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was the report. It was the sources that I was saying. But no, no, and, and I fully understand that, because you have to figure, right, like, that's a, that's a, good number for JJ because I can tell you talking to the teams that were interested in him and we were sharing information that's obviously um, one of the avenues where I was able to collect a lot of the details of what was going on and and, and able to share some of it um, and when I told some teams that number they thought I was being played too and you know Fortunately, you know, if, you, if you've been in the league a while and you have these great sources in front offices and, and, and with agents, eventually you start earning, you earn the leeway. And, and they're kind of like, well, if you're if you feel this good about it, I'm going to believe you. And so I got a lot of texts from uh, different teams that were flirting with with JJ going. Damn, you were right, and we sure as hell weren't paying that. that. So that's interesting because, so that's your, whenever you said there's been offers from several teams, teams were telling you like, yeah, we're interested, this is what we're doing. And then Arizona or another team that offered 15, 16, we don't want to give up your sources here. Somebody told you what they actually offered. And then it's interesting because without the combine, without like people being around each other, and we've talked to... I forget who else. Uh, Charles Robinson, maybe, of Yahoo, which is still a um, – that's still a website. I don't know. Yahoo oh, yeah. Sports is oh, still yeah. a website. That is still something that happens. <laughs> he said that people were, like, reaching out to him for information on shit because they couldn't really get through. I assume that's kind of how the game is being played right now. There's a lot of people reaching out to you, trying to learn about what's going on elsewhere. It's the only time of year anyone answers their phone when I call them. Because, <laughs> nice. you know, during the season, players, coaches, they don't – they really don't want to get into it. They won't, they don't want to talk game plan. You know, they, they're focused, they're busy, you know, and, and most really good teams and successful teams that I'm fortunate to cover like to keep it in house. So they, they don't really want to share a lot, but this time of year you become an ally because now I can be part of what they're doing in, in their war room, so to speak, or at least when they're having these conversations, they can say, well, look, you know, I heard, they may not say your name, but at least they're able to get information. That's really what everyone's doing right now. They're all just gathering information. And when we were talking about the massacre yesterday, um, you know, 
that was just one head coach. I didn't share all the messages I had yesterday talking to different, you know, coaches and GMs about it. That one just stood out the most. But pretty much everyone is sharing the same sentiment with me, which is like, this is going to be a wild week coming up because we're going to have to clean up. Uh, and most uh, most teams are looking at the rosters, Pat, and you know this better than anyone, that they're looking at the veterans. They're seeing who's got that guaranteed money that's dried up and done. And they're going, can we win without them? And if we can, we're going we're gonna to cut them. Okay, so that happens every year, right? And I've told this story where I went to the NFL Network for the first time in the meeting was one of the segments was what's a surprise cut that's going to happen that nobody expects and you heard like three ex-gms that were in there they were like oh let's see the contract can we just look up the contracts real quick and then they they just they pulled the contracts up on the screen they're like ah oh, that person's getting cut that person's getting cut and then lo and behold as the offseason unfolded those people were gone it was like oh my i could have never guessed that you're you're making it sound like from the sources you're talking about because of where the salary cap is that's potentially going to be two to three x now with that entire thing and that now the seismic shift thing that the Cardinals owner said, does that mean now like the Carolina Panthers, the Colts, the Patriots, you're looking, you're thinking that these teams are going to be doing a lot of like, uh, let's build super teams type situation? Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of that because it's a buyer's market now and you're going to see a lot of good teams that have the money spend and get pretty good players because you know most of the teams that I've spoken to who you know, they, they won't give me names of the guys they're going to cut because some some teams that I work with, they like to tell the player first, right? Before I go running around tweeting about it. Um, you know, but I've asked for a description. Like, give me an example of a player in your team and why. And usually it's a veteran, it's a starter, and it's usually and it's a player who can still play. And that's the difference between this year and I think last year. Um, you know, I had one coach say to me today, he's like, you know, in years past, there's a couple guys on my roster, I'd be like, eh, we can keep and we can deal with that you know, million, million and a half. Now, done, gone, because I need to make room. We don't have the room. Wow. And, you know, Kickers and punters a, are screwed. A different GM <laughs> saw me on Get Up this morning, and he just texted me, hey, I'm not, I'm not giving you any scoop here, but just so you know, most good organizations operate with the mindset of you don't cut a player you can't win without. So keep that in mind as you're digging around. So I just thought that was interesting, and, and, it, and it's true. Yeah, but there's a lot of bad organizations. In the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to remember that as well. Uh, we're talking to Diana Rossini of ESPN. Um, Kyle Van Noy was a shocker. Have you learned anything about why that happened? That took Kyle Rudolph. We had heard that he had been asked to take a pay cut. He wasn't going to do it. Uh, Golden Tate. That we had heard there's potential maybe frustrations or six million dollars save. That's smart. But the Kyle Van Noy one still at this point doesn't make any sense to us i've texted kyle van noy trying to go directly to the source he said i'll talk to you later about it i was like okay well have you heard anything why did that happen and that's one year into what a 30 million dollar guaranteed contract right there yeah i asked around on that and and the only answer i can come up with was, was that he fell into the formula of what i've been talking about of just how his contract was set up. You guys can win without him. Huh? Yeah, wow. You can barely win yeah, with him. Oh, <laughs> man. We have, a, we have the only Dolphin fan that's on a show ever. Gumpy here. He's from Canada. Mm -hmm. And as soon as this happened, he was just devastated. Just like, we suck again, basically. That's like, I saw. Yeah. I saw. And I saw the heartache. And and, and I get it. And, and that was that was a surprise to me. And just like the Cardinals landing JJ, that, that got me. Like, I wish I could say I was that good at this. I'm not like, I had no idea the Cardinals were in on it. And, and it always happens too. And that's something to keep in mind, Pat, like next week 
when you hear these big name free agents on the market and, and, you know, I'll come on talking to you and I'll go on ESPN two saying, you know, um, Allen Robinson, let's just say, for example, he doesn't get tagged and he hits the market, you know, Washington's in on him. Jets, the Jets are in on him. There are always two more teams in there that you don't even know about. Always. I learn every year because I, and you, well, I don't learn because I still make the mistake. <laughs> yeah, we do um, as well. But, yeah. but you have to remember that there's just, there's, there's some places they just keep it quiet. Washington does. So it's alleged that the Chicago Bears offered Allen Robinson $16 million. He wants 18. But if the Bears had a quarterback, I assume he'd be much more open to the $16 million money instead of the 18. But Washington, they don't have. Now, I know that was just a, uh, you're making exactly. a hypothetical there. But when you talk about Washington, they don't have a quarterback right now. Are they going with Heineken? That's a really good team. They took Tampa Bay Q Gronkineers mm. to the limit. Yeah. To the limit in the playoffs, people forget about. Now, that was before the Buccaneers got completely hot or whatever. It was the start of that whole thing. But what are they going to do a quarterback? Everybody's just assuming Cam Newton and Ron Rivera go ahead and do this thing again. Or what are, your, what are you hearing around the world? So I've always been in the camp of not buying into the Cam Newton back to Washington, or at least to Washington to work with Ron again. Because – I think Ron really told you how he felt about Cam Newton last season when they were also in a quarterback situation where they needed one and mm. he didn't even wink at Cam Newton. It was that was like with the clearest report I think we did last year was like, yeah, the you know, the Washington football team is not interested in Cam Newton. It was it was crystal clear. And I, I don't think that changes. I don't, and I, I definitely don't think that changes after what we saw from, from Cam this year, which I mean, we saw some good things. But, you know, I, I would say overall. Um, he's not going to be a quarterback. Oh, you said he stinks. That's what you just said. You said he stinks? Is that what you said, Diane? No, uh, no, I sound like the kid heckling him at the camp. (laughs) (laughs) 17-year-old. You broke. You broke. Yeah, Yeah, he's not broke. Exactly. Uh, Which, by the way, if you've ever gone to a football camp, that stuff happens all the time. I like working camps because I like hearing the I, I, I Look, there's there's tons of lessons that we learned from that, and we can talk about it all day, but... uh, I, I, I appreciate a kid that can that, that, that can give a little jab once in a while to somebody who probably should be talking to like that. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I respect um, it as well. I wish Cam yeah. Newton would have buried him, though, just to see how the kid <laughs> takes the other side of it as well. You know what I mean? That would have been oh, great. Totally. Uh, Ty, what do you have? Diana, what do you think the uh, Packers are going to do this offseason? I've seen a couple of reports that say they might be in on Will Fuller now that uh, Golden Tate's available. Or are they going to be one of those teams that's just screwed because they have so much cap work to do? Yeah, I I spoke to someone in Green Bay today actually about it um, because I'm trying to get this Aaron Jones scoop. I'm trying to figure out what are you doing? Nice. Um, Because I always get the same message from Green Bay, which is we like them. We we, we love them. Obviously, we know Aaron Rodgers loves him, and and we saw what the run game did for their offense and how valuable he's become. But I I hate leaning on this answer, but this is the truth that – like. The salary, not knowing the salary cap number is really hurting teams. That is the most common thing everyone's complaining about. And you can make the rough estimate of, all right, 180. But I talked to a team uh, recently, and they think it's 185. Mm. That's a big, we're talking a $5 million Jeez. difference in, in That's your plan, which is, you know, going back to the, the original topic that, that I'm, I'm here chatting with you about, which is the cuts. This is why this stuff is going down because everyone's trying to get their money straight. So once free agency gets here, but, but going back to green Bay, you know, Chris Carson is a name I, I heard buzzing around as an interested Aaron Jones has to come back. Um, you know, and you could always, you can make an argument that, that they could bolster up their offensive line. Does Jordan love like Aaron Jones or. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who are you talking to? I, I don't know. Does Aaron Rodgers like oh, well, Jordan? I do. I, I do believe Aaron does like Jordan. Actually, yeah. he said. He said mm-hmm. no, yeah, I do believe he said Good that. Um, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson allegedly. Jack Easterby and Cal McNair too busy praying. Ain't got time to be on the phones with any other team. Uh, do you think those two are going to remain on their teams? Do you think there's any chance they move from what you've been told by people that know the situation a lot better than us from the outside? Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 tough to get solid info out of Houston because you have a GM that comes from the New England way. And hold on, hold on. Does Jack Easterby talk at all? When, like, whenever you reach out to Houston, when you reach out to Houston <laughs> and you're on the phone or whatever, does Jack Easterby come chaplain walking into that thing? And he's saying, let me take care of this. Does he do that? Do you talk directly I- to Jack Easterby? Yeah, I, I don't call. I only FaceTime because I want to see him do that. <laughs> and, and, and I actually make him perform before he gives me any information. I'm like, got a joke for me today? Uh, what, do, what do you got? Uh, uh, one fish, no, two fish. no. Um, they, they've shut it down in Houston. You know, they're obviously trying to get control over the narrative there. Um, but I feel very comfortable sharing that they do not want to trade Deshaun Watson. Nick Casario has taken calls. There are teams that I've spoken to who have spoken to Nick Casario. But when they take the conversation into a trade opportunity, even broaching it, it's shut down immediately. This is something the, the, the teams that are interested, the tone they're getting is Nick Casario does not want to be the GM that's coming into Houston and getting rid of, you know, a, a once in a lifetime type of player that that I think we, we, we know has so much value we know Deshaun doesn't want to play there. It's pretty darn clear at this point. But the Texans, they are they are still married to this. They have not given up on on making this work with Deshaun Watson. How about Russell Wilson? They said three uh, the the alleged. Now I don't I don't know who reported it at this point, and if it was you, I apologize. But it is alleged that three first is the starting offer for Russell Wilson. That would mean that the Seattle Seahawks are entertaining the thought of trading Russell Wilson, right? Yeah, that, that's absolutely. It's just as we saw yesterday with, with Joe Douglas saying, you always answer the phone. And, and, and I'm always going to be in the belief, Pat, that if you're a good GM, you answer. You take the call, unless it's Patrick Mahomes, right? I think that's probably the only guy you don't answer the phone for. Aaron Rodgers, um, probably. All right, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> no, yeah, have a little respect, please. Have a little respect, <laughs> please, in this whole thing. But Russell Wilson, by the way, I think in some circles would be a guy that you would not answer calls because of. Like, like in that same tier, if you think about him as a player or whatever, the thought that there is reports that he stormed out of a meeting last year and then his, uh, who was it, his chef, his body guru, mm-hmm. chiropractor, maintenance person. Spiritual advisor. Spiritual Sierra. advisor, uh, Sierra. Music mm-hmm. video agent, coordinator. Costume and music video coordinator. The photographer. Te- photographer yep. came mm-hmm. out. By the way, great photographer. There's been good, some good shots. Oh, yeah. it's, it, the team of Russell Wilson has come out and said they don't like the way the Seattle Seahawks Hawks are handling Russell Wilson and then the agent talked to Shefty and said like we have not Russell has not asked for a trade but if there is a trade it's these four teams is that one of the most interesting ways we can hide somebody's reputation while also saying we're not happy and we want to get out of there that you have ever seen I think it's their way of saying we want out yeah pretty clear I think if you're gonna give a list of like, hey, I really don't want to cheat on my husband, Kevin, but here's a list of three guys that I, you know, if I'm going to do it. <laughs> if you were to, hey, if you were to call Kevin, if you were to call Kevin <laughs> and make this arrangement happen, that's basically what they did. Yeah. Uh, right? Well, like that, that, it's just like the whole pass, you know? 
but yeah, no, and and I think it not think I know it's it's a real thing where where Russell Wilson is not happy there, and and his agent is is going to deny that that they are demanding a trade. And, and I learned early in my career too, you have to be very careful with the wording of asking for a trade, demanding a trade. I did the uh, I made a mistake with Kirk Cousins years ago where he, you know, was told it wasn't going to be a competition at the quarterback position with Robert Griffin the third back then. And he's like, well, I really don't want to be here if it's not a competition, right? Cause he wanted a shot and it came out somehow as a demand and, oh. and that, 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 that crushes a player, right? And his reputation. And Kirk had built such a great one in, as being such a good player and a good person. And yeah, so the, the word demand in reference to, to, to Russell Wilson, I don't sense that. But but I know there's been calls made on both sides going to Seattle and from Seattle to other teams. Oh, so oh, Seattle wow. shopping. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit. Seattle Seahawks are shopping Russell Wilson yeah. right now yeah. via Diana Lucia. Yeah, wow. ESPN. <laughs> He's demanding that they shop him. What do you have to do? Pounding on the table. Jeffy, not hearing rain too much. Diana, you talked about uh, Casario Cesario coming from the New England way. Um, there's reports of Stefan Gilmore trade being imminent, though. Uh, does that mean it's bullshit, or do you think that's actually going to happen? that the New England Patriots have always listened to trade offers for Stefan Gilmore. Um, the number that I reported uh, a few months ago when it was starting to boil up where I felt like they were going to make the move um, was what they were asking for in terms of picks was way too high for a lot of teams. Uh, and so it, it shut down. But but now, you know, with, with the cap issues being being what they are, I could see it happening. Absolutely. Okay, Diana, we have to go. I assume you do as well. Thank you so much for your time. Are there any other headlines you'd like me to give you to just (laughs) absolutely destroy my career? No, no, it's going to make your career better. Just think about it. This is my first appearance. Mm -hmm. I'm reporting that Russell Wilson is being shot. I'm cheating on my new husband to three people. You said the dolphins stink. You said the dolphins (laughs) do stink. And and I said that you only, the only team that shouldn't answer the phone uh, for Patrick Mahomes Mahomes, not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Look, I'm not sure I'm ever going to return. No, you will. It's a great appearance, ladies and gentlemen. That pocket that you mentioned there is the Seahawks fans. Yeah, that is the Seattle, the greater Seattle area. That's what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy we put this right after that interview so we could clarify what we we're saying in the open. Sure. What Ty was referring to was the Seahawks fans hearing the turmoil that is potentially popping off between head coach and quarterback, which is the two most important people in your entire franchise, aside from the general manager and owner, obviously. So it seems like there is a chance that Russell Wilson will not be a Seahawk next year. It's done. He's out of town. That stinks for you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, we understand that that stinks for you, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not us. Who they got? Geno Smith as the backup? He'll be hey, fine. he's a good player. Yeah. All right, anyways, back to the show. Most guys have tried a lot of different ways to, you know, Try to last a little bit longer yeah. when making love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about your baseball team. That's a boring sport. That'll turn me off, right? Yeah, absolutely. Should. Maybe you start listing off cities and states. Maybe you start doing the alphabet backwards. Whatever you end up doing, you need to not do it anymore. Knock it off. None of it's going to work. Uh-uh. Okay? 
you're before the time you get to the the shortstop it's already happened all right that's right what you need is a real tag team partner whenever you're going in there and our friends at roman created just that with roman swipes roman swipes are a swipe that comes in a discreet unmarked package uh, that shows up at your door then it's in a tiny little packet that you put in your pocket small enough to fit in your wallet then right before it's time to make some love right before it is time to go ahead and try to procreate Mm -hmm. maybe whenever it's time to go and put on a show uh you go ahead and go ahead and rub the swipe on uh it'll it'll dry it'll not transfer to your partner at all and then you just have time your life yeah GetRoman.com forward slash Pat McAfee. Jesus. That's GetRoman.com forward slash Pat McAfee. No mm-hmm. spaces. Uh, and you can get your first month of swipes for just $5 when you choose a monthly plan. All right. Shout out to Roman. Shout out to you. Shout out to GetRoman.com forward slash Pat McAfee. Joining us is a Super Bowl champ and college football national champion from the Ohio State, ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk. Baby, AJ! How are you, AJ? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Hey, not too shabby. Uh, you shared a podcast with me last night that I would like you to explain to the world, probably because I told you I was going to listen and I did not. But basically, uh, some information about Tiger's injuries has been has come out a little mm, bit, right? Really? AJ, would you like to share more? I, well, I don't have the, the link with me. I don't remember the radio show that went on. I, the doctor that went on to talk about Tiger's injuries, I guess he kind of went through it by like piece by piece and which like what's going to be the toughest thing for him to come back but basically at the end of it this doctor at least said he gives him a one percent chance of playing competitive Whoa. golf again yeah this is the jp peterson show and it's dr chris mclaren that's talking and dr chris joins jp on the show today to give us information on tiger woods the injuries he had in the car crash and the likelihood of him playing competitive golf again it does not look good for tiger says the uh bio here but you said you listen and it sounded like the doctor did know what he was talking about yeah, oh, absolutely. It, it really did. And it, he's, he was really concerned about his ankle joint, like going into his foot. He said, that's really bad, the broken leg. And then the, the, uh, the host then, all of a sudden, they said, We're not, we haven't even talked about his back yet. He just flipped a car six, seven times, and he's five weeks removed from back surgery. Oh, yeah, you're right. But there's a reason why if there's a 1% chance, might as well make that thing a 99% chance with Tiger Woods. I don't want to hear Dr. Chris's negative bullshit ever again. Hell yeah. <laughs> Dr. Chris did not deserve that. Okay. I, he's, he's talking and probably facts, and I'm just trying to wish things into existence. Uh, speaking of wishing things into existence, this is a pretty cool thing that's about to happen for the first time ever. A man who's entering his 17th year in the NFL. Kicker for the San Francisco 49ers, Robbie Gould. Thanks for having me on the show. I had no idea you were a guitar nut. You you play those guitars? You collect guitars? I, I wish I could rip one of those guitars. <laughs> I'm a, I collect them. They're uh, autographed guitars. So uh, I got no instrumental background whatsoever. I can't sing. I can't play the piano, which is behind me too. And I sure as hell can't play the guitar. I'd love to, but I can't do it. So I've always now listen. When you miss, by the way, the world almost collapsed. I don't know if you know that. At this point, you're going, as soon as I read this and we wrote it down, going into your 17th year, you've been playing football forever. You seem to <laughs> never miss at this point. San Fran just gave you a deal a couple years ago, a re-extension or whatever. Robbie, congrats on a hell of a fucking run. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's always fun to watch uh, the Pat McAfee uh, tweets after the games, <laughs> uh, especially when I miss. You know, I appreciate you always having my back. 
Well, it's because uh, you, you know. start trending, Robbie. Everybody's like, Robbie Gold, this guy, or whatever. It's like he <laughs> never mi- As soon as you miss, you trend. That's how weird it is. It's a So I always I try my best to make sure people understand. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, you and my uh, my three young kids, they're the... Uh, <laughs> They give it to me probably worse than anybody on Twitter. That's for sure. How have you been able to do this for so long? It's a mental game. Everybody knows that guys come and go. But how have you been able to maintain the physical ability to kick balls well? Uh, it feels like you're kicking them the same exact distance you've been kicking them for maybe the last ten years at this point. How have you been able to do it? How can is your are you just always working out? What is the how have you been able to do this for seventeen years now? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to when I started playing, I played with one of your former teammates and Adam Vinatieri, uh, the greatest of all time, right? So uh, I was able to learn a lot from him and Josh Miller and Lonnie Paxton when I was in New England. And then, you know, you start playing and then you don't realize kind of how hard it is to stay in the game. So you figure, how am I going to do that? So I started following guys like Brian Urlacher and Olin Krutz and, had Julius Peppers come in and, and realized how much it is about keeping your body in shape all year round and and not turning into this, um, let's take three months off and, and get started back up in April. So uh, I think a lot of it's training, a lot of it's a mentality, and then obviously having a lot of great players and coaches around um, is a lot of fun. And then uh, when you're playing guys like AJ and, and the Green Bay Packers, you have to stay in shape you're going to be competitive in, in Chicago. So uh, thanks, AJ. I appreciate you always driving me. You know, we've had some epic battles. So uh, it's, always good, uh, it's always good to try to beat the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, a big part of why we had to stay in shape was because of you guys. Yeah, well, it's tough when you have uh, Aaron Rodgers under center. It makes everybody's job <laughs> on the other side. Robbie, first, congrats, actually. I know you signed a, an extension at the end of this, just at the end of this last season. I know Pat – was said a couple years ago, but I know you're you're locked down for a couple more years in San Francisco. Yeah, so uh, you know, at the end of the season, uh, the team had an option to pick up, and um, you know, the last week of the season, they came to me and asked uh, to renegotiate and restructure my contract. And uh, you know, it's tough being on the West Coast away from my kids and my wife, and and. Obviously, San Francisco, a place that I like to play in, and I have a lot of appreciation for Kyle Shanahan and his offensive mind. So uh, I love the way that the team's trending. Obviously, if we can stay healthy, I think we'll be okay. But um, I'm locked in for two more years, and then uh, we're probably going to try to go until this wheel falls off. That's for sure. I can't wait to watch. I think you'll be able to kick forever. I think I told the story earlier Um, And when you talked about getting in shape or whatever, staying in shape, when I first saw you in my entire life, it was at Penn State, and you were running a sprint on, like, the (laughs) treadmill up there. I was like, who is that? They're like, that's our kicker. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do that, if this is my following or whatever. But you're always so professional, I think, even since those days. So it's been nice to see this whole thing. Speaking of professional, whenever they ask you to restructure your contract, is that because of the pending doom that's coming with the salary cap that's right now? Because around the NFL, and I know you are 17 years in, invested, and know a lot going on. I assume you're in the NFLPA. I'm not 100% sure. But this next year, with they said next week's going to be a massacre with people getting cut. Uh, because of cap casualties and stuff like that. Was that talked about when you redid your deal? And are you hearing anything about that from the player's side about how this is going to be handled? Well, first, I was a terrible recruiter at Penn State because you went to West Virginia. So, no. I mean, McQuarrie. I gotta, Who's McQuarrie? I got <laughs> to work on those recruiting skills now, you know? Um, yeah, I think this is going to have a lot. This NFL offseason is going to have a lot to do with what happened in 2011 is what you've seen, you know, and, with the lockout year, a lot of older veterans got cut. A lot of guys got put back in the market. 
Um, I don't think the the salaries are going to be as high as what everyone expected to be. Obviously, the TV contracts uh, getting signed and, and renegotiated throughout all the networks is going to help. Uh, a 17-game season is going to help uh, with those because it could p- push the cap up a little bit. But uh, you know, you're going to see you're going to see a lot of older guys uh, get cut. You're going to see a lot of guys with no guarantee money getting cut, and you know, it's going to be a pretty wild free agency. You already saw the quarterback starting. Um, but when I went to renegotiate my contract, it wasn't about necessarily uh, what was going to happen on the on the horizon. I think it was more, you know, hey, we want to keep you here for longer than just the one-year option. How can we make this happen? And, and how can we make it team-friendly a little bit to the fact that they're trying to create cap space? And you're seeing a lot of these teams doing that now by either restructuring contracts or, or um, getting rid of guys like a Golden Tate who was due six million bucks and. Um, you're gonna see a lot of that come up in the next in the next probably seven seven days for sure. Oh yeah, like like Pat said, it's gonna be a massacre. They say I next say. week, but I want to go back to your first year in San Francisco, Robbie. You guys beat your former team, the Bears, fifteen to fourteen, <laughs> one game, all on five of your field goals. How in the hell does that ever happen? And is that just proof that what simulation theory is is real or something? Like, what does that mean? You definitely couldn't. Have- wrote that story any better especially after getting cut in, in training camp and oh. getting a chance to do that a year later oh. um but they you said know, you they, stink they, hey they said yeah. you stink that's what they said they said we we want to we want to upgrade the position wow you know? oh. I, I guess oh, they upgraded no, it right so um <laughs> yeah it's it's part of the business aj's you know like Anything else, uh, if Peyton Manning can get cut out of out of Indianapolis, anybody can get cut. So I was fortunate enough to play for the Giants. I think they're an unbelievable organization. And obviously playing in San Francisco for the York family has been awesome. I mean, they dedicate so much money into player rehab and recovery and, and making sure that we have everything on, on the two-a-day trips from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, you know, the West Coast teams, I've never played for, for a West Coast team. I've always been – lucky enough to play on the east coast when i played for the giants the furthest west we went was green bay in the first round of the playoffs so when you go and play on the west coast you you travel in friday night coming in after practice and you're leaving sunday sometimes you'll stay in those cities for 10 days if you have two east coast games back to back that has to i would assume you have a routine that has to mess that up and then this year you guys got kicked out of san francisco altogether yeah, that was kind of fun. <laughs> Go to Arizona, playing the dome. You know, you, just, you wake up one morning and you're packing your bags. I stayed in a hotel, uh, in, so it wasn't as bad for me because I didn't have my family. But I felt bad for the guys who had families and houses and things like that that they had to leave for 35 days. Um, but I literally did not leave a hotel, uh, in right across from the the Cardinal Stadium for 35 days. You know, they set up this small bubble and. And we never left. It's almost like the NBA playoffs. But, um, yeah, the city of Santa Clara, they're very strict. Obviously, California is really strict. You can see that the whole way up and down the state. But uh, Santa Clara County specifically uh, kicked us out because they were worried about, you know, the the football players <laughs> taking up the uh, hospital beds with the everyday testing and, and everything else. And you see San Francisco now, the 49ers, they're the first team to put together a medical board. They're one of the only teams without – any fans in the stands and they're trying to find ways to keep people safe and the best way to bring it back 
on online because I mean obviously it's a huge revenue boost for not only the players but the owners as well. Yeah, huge, and that's why the salary cap and with the TV deal that you mentioned helping is is everything about that. Can I go back though to what you just said there? Um, there's going to be people that think you hate your family. <laughs> gonna I, be my people. wife still loves me, so I'm okay. As long as she loves me, I don't care. <laughs> so how's that way? Because I remember there was a potential contract dispute, right, with San Francisco. You maybe you enjoyed what was going on, but you were away from your family, right? That was like a, it was a couple years ago, I think, if that's – and that's how that will be as long as you kick in San Fran? Well, I think uh, as right now as, as long as – um, if schools open up in, in California, I think my family will come with me. But a lot of the time it's been, I've just been on a one-year deal. So to uproot my family and leave for five months and then try to get them reacclimated with a first grader and a preschool and a two-year-old uh, is a, it's pretty difficult where I'd leave my wife in a, an apartment all by herself for kids to be on remote learning wouldn't have been a whole lot of fun, you know? So, huh. um you know, I think, you know, you go back to like how it all started, you know, you're going to see the franchise tag popped up. I, I've been through this two or three times. Uh, you know, it's not fun for any player. You don't want to be franchised. Obviously, you don't want to play on a one-year deal. Um, and, you know, the reality is, is the franchise tag gives the organization and the player who they want to keep uh, a longer ability to negotiate a contract. Now, the problem is with that is um, you're going to go through and probably not get one until July and then all the money and free agency is gone. They have the draft. They figure it all out, and there's no money left anyway. So usually most players have to either do one of two things, take what they're offering, or um, two, you play under the franchise, or three, the player just doesn't play or doesn't show up, and eventually they either trade you or um, you find a way to, to get a long-term deal right before the clock strikes uh, at the end of July for the franchise tags. Hey, you're so fucking smooth, dude. Like, you are – you know, you are, you are. I wish so- I had your leg. I wouldn't have to worry about being, stupid, you know, I'm not that big. I didn't have that. I didn't have the cannon you had. I didn't find something that worked for me. That's because you run too much, you know, <laughs> stop running. You can get a little bit bigger. You know, that's kind of the, that's the give and take. You know, if you have this leg doesn't last long, but it's a good time. You know what I mean? You are, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you are the 17. I assume, and I've seen a lot of photos. I assume in videos, you're an incredible golfer, huh? You're a big-time golfer. I, I know you're in the golf, golf community golf pretty big. Is that always been, or has the kicking kind of transitioned for you? Uh, I was, when I got to sh- – I played a lot when I was growing up, but I had no – it was like hit and giggle. I was just happy to be out there. It was like a 20 handicap. I was with uh, Brad Maynard and Pat Manley in my rookie year in the offseason. I was 15 handicap, just getting absolutely smoked, gambling with them on the golf course. I was like, this sucks. I, don't, I can't, can't keep doing this every, every day, every week. So I ended up playing, taking lessons, joined a country club, and then uh, got my handicap down to four. <laughs> and uh, I'm still somehow finding a way to give money to those guys. I don't know what it is. Zito? Uh, yeah, big Bears fan here. Uh, so I just want to say, did you watch the the actual Cody Parkey kick in 2018? <laughs> and did you redo that kick yourself? Well, I, I did uh, watch the game. I was actually at the game. So – um, you know, I've only made the playoffs four or five times, and there was always a stretch that if I didn't make the playoffs, I would go watch a game. I'd buy a ticket, or I would uh, go watch somebody that I'd play. Or my brother, when he was, uh, he's a coach in Denver for the Broncos. Shout out, Chris. Coach. Yeah, shout out, Chris. Um, so I ended up going to the playoff game uh, with my wife and, and my three kids, 
And uh, we were watching the game. I said to my wife in the middle of the third quarter, I'm like, listen, this game's coming down to a field goal. Oh, yeah. She's like, no way. She's like, no idea. I'm like, honey, listen, no one's scoring in the red zone. The Bears settled for a few uh, short field goals. They're going to get probably a longer attempt. Well, next thing you know, the Eagles finally scored in the red zone, and uh, they had the Bears came back and made that awesome return. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, this is going to be shorter than I thought. And sure enough, um, we're sitting in the right corner, right off the right upright of where it went. Oh. Called the timeout. My wife goes, oh, my gosh, he better make this. And I was like, yeah, I hope he does too. <laughs> and then it didn't. And then <laughs> the chaos the chaos that ensued after that, I felt, you know, as kickers, Pat, and, and punters, like we, we always feel they're cheering for the guy to make it, right? Like you felt terrible for oh. uh, him. And obviously this is something as Bear fans will – obviously continue but it's nice to see him back on his feet and doing well i agree great great bounce back i assume you're recognized in chicago though right as soon as cody misses that kick they're probably like the fucking guy (laughs) is right here well you know it's funny as i I bought the tickets um from the bears to go watch the game which is a little bit ironic and then um we went out to eat for for like a lunch and i literally bought these sweet tickets to go show my kids like hey like they're old enough to start getting it they haven't really watched dad play any nfl games so this is like the first time I'm, i'm watching a game with my kids in the stands as a fan but also um Taking them to an NFL game where, like, my career really will always be what it is and took off. Um, They're like, Dad, like, go Bears, go. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We want them to win. Just not when we're playing Dad, right? (laughs) (laughs) So so now my kids, every time we get ready to watch, you know, TV or the playoffs, and they're like, Dad, are we supposed to root for these guys or what? I'm like, yeah, you can root for them because they're not playing Dad. When they play Dad, no chance. So. Um, yeah, I watched. It was a it was a crazy game, and um, you know, uh, you, you always cheer for him. Uh, it's just part of the nature of the business, and uh, hopefully, they don't win a Super Bowl before I do, because that means they would have beat us. But uh, I hope they do well. Rob, I'm sorry, AJ. This is 100 percent my fault. I'm fascinated by Rob because I I I know you but i don't really know you that well i just heard you talking about how the return oh this is going to be a shorter one and like reading the game basically a lot of people don't understand the kickers and punters have to do that for instance there was a couple first down plays that we would run that i knew i was punting that series as soon as i saw like the as soon as i saw the uh the formation and i as soon as i saw them i'm like oh this never fucking works okay so we're we're losing yards here probably gonna end up punting i think reading the game is something that a kicker and punter does this naturally because it's like oh we're gonna have to go work or not with kyle shanahan and that offense is that is that the most interesting thing you have ever gotten to watch like up close because you go back to that nfc championship game 186 yards before there's that offense can go like out of nowhere how has it been like reading the team and reading the offense and how everything's going in san fran right now well, when I got there, we were rebuilding, right? And all I remember everyone saying is, listen, Kyle's going to put up points and he's going to move the football with no matter who he has and whoever's on his roster. And that's been true for four years through injuries and everything else. I think what's amazing is if I wish everyone could just sit in an offensive meeting, team meeting with him and go over the what it's going to take for the week and why we run the plays we run or like in training camp, you know, watching it all connect from offense special teams and defense and asking guys questions about, well, hey, why are we running this play and, and what are you supposed to do to defend it? You know, he, it's pretty it's pretty amazing to watch the, this guy's football wizardry 
uh, go to work. And then, you know, I think you talk about those situations. Anytime, like, we get a kickoff and we're getting ready to go for a game-winning field goal at the end, uh, obviously a big part of that drive is going to be the return. And then the next two or three plays are going to tell you basically how far it's going to be. So uh, you're kind of getting your mind ready. Uh, going through that process, hey, if it's the 50-yard field, we're doing this. If it's 40, it's this. If it's 30, it's doing this. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that helps, but I also think a lot of that helps whether you have timeouts and helping two young guys on the sideline. Um, you've pretty much been through almost every situation possible. Uh, and for me, I, that's just a part of the game that I've always enjoyed and loved. I mean, I wish I could have been AJ and, and had 150 tackles a season and smashing people around, but – <laughs> Unfortunately, like I, I wasn't my body at 180 pounds of built for that. So I decided to be the kicker and, and, and learning the football situations that these guys go through. You want to come through for them because they just spent 70 plays killing themselves to win the football game. And here you walk in the locker room as a kicker and you miss the field goal. You feel terrible. Hey, Rob, you, you said your brother is coaching. Listening to you like talk about how you process the game and how you pay attention, like sounds like you would be a great coach. Are you thinking about that? And I don't, I'm don't. i not saying just go be a special teams coach with your knowledge. Why couldn't you go become a head coach someday? You know, I, I haven't really thought much about getting into coaching. You know, those guys grind. I love – I talk to my brother every week. So talking football, going through situations that he saw on clips and, and things that I can practice to get better or bring back to our team. Uh, it's unique that I have that situation and, and be able to, I'll say, increase my football acumen. But um, I'd love to be a consultant one day. I'd love to be on the executive level side helping, you know, the why you make decisions for players, uh, whether it be rehab and recovery. Because here's the thing, like everybody now has the same set of rules. Back in the day, it used to be, well, you know, you, you would go to practice and do two-a-days and smash each other. And everyone's like, well, we got to do it in training camp for three hours a day, twice a day, right? And, Lovey, I remember Lovey's whole bone dust was like, hey, like the second practice is going to be like an hour and 45 minutes and we're going to take the bottoms off. You're still going to have your tops on, you know, that kind of thing, right? So everyone has the same work hours. Everyone has the same number of padded practices. Everyone, I mean, everything like that's the same. So now what teams are, are, are starting to trend towards is re, I'll say reshuffling what their uh, performance side looks like from training to recovery to training room. Uh, all of that has to now take uh, the forefront of the focus because truly everyone can coach football, right? Was How that your major? You taking picks. What's that? Was that your major sports uh, athletic training uh, or business management? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to sit there and, and, and help those guys understand how to, you know, market players better to, to make more money for not only the players, but also for the, the business side of it but also like you see a lot of teams that make their players go outside the building for a massage and, and uh acupuncture and all these things well you know san francisco when i got there they brought it in um because i had taken it from the giants and, and i asked these guys if they'd want to do it and they brought it to the ownership and they said yeah Setting now standard. guys are in literally seven days a week eating three meals you know keeping their weight up and and it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch happen so I would say I'd like to get in the executive consulting role. You do the needle stuff? Uh, yeah. You should Whoa. try it. It's yours yours is yours legs a little thicker, so it's a big a bigger needle, but you know you can handle it. Yeah, there's I've no seen chance. you on the WWE stuff. You hey, know? did you yeah. hey pretty good, huh? <laughs> yeah, not bad. Not bad. You should take on Shaq. Hey, he did he that fucking he took a table bump last night. I that big of a man falling that far through a 
two tables onto that ground. He might have broke his back last night. That I mean, table exploded into that a thousand pieces. Unbelievable <laughs> to watch. Uh, what's the offseason look like? Three kids, obviously, COVID, the whole thing. What are you doing? You golfing? You, you, when do you start kicking? Do you kick all year round? No, so I'm living in Chicago. It's a full-time home. Uh, I get up in the morning, get the kids ready for school, go drop them off, pick them up. One of my sons is getting picked up at 1 o'clock. Uh, my wife went and picked him up today, and then uh, my other son gets picked up at 3, and in between there I work out. And then probably another month I'll start kicking. Uh, this offseason I try to take a little bit more time off from kicking and, and get my body uh, put back together. I pull my groin at the end of the season. So, um, other than that, it's just spent a lot of time with my kids coaching basketball, coaching their basketball and getting ready to coach their baseball teams. It's, it's interesting. It's like herding cats. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's you, so I, much fun though. Hey, you hit one. Yeah. I do remember you pulled your groin. I remember looking, you hit a ball, I think too, with a pull groin, right? Yeah, I did it at the end of the LA game on the 49 yard field goal. And, uh, I played pro well, it's, <laughs> I, I, our punter, Mitch, he ended up uh, getting a, a shin bruise. And I had pulled my groin in L.A. just like he got his shin bruise. They came in the next morning and they're like, hey, you're going to be kicking off. I'm like, sweet, let's do this. So I'm going to pull groin, nothing like it. <laughs> um, so I ended up hurting a little bit more in that game. But I had to deal with it probably for another five or six weeks and uh, was able to finally figure it out. You know, the hardest part about COVID was you, had to, you couldn't be in the building sometimes on Mondays or Tuesdays. So trying to figure out how you're going to do that rehab and recovery based on, you know, if somebody had a case or close contact and all that kind of stuff. So um, that was that's probably the most challenging part for a lot of guys is when they close down the building where you're going to get any of those services. Good on you kicking with a pulled groin. That's I'm surprised you didn't completely suck. Like you should have sucked. Did you? Did you suck? Did you see noticeable um, suckage? I'm too old. I'm, I'm used to getting hurt. I'm used to things bothering me. You know, it's just part of part of getting old i'm 38 uh i don't think that there's ever a day i wake up that i'm like man i feel awesome <laughs> <laughs> hey me neither man and that's for many different reasons we appreciate you ladies and gentlemen legend robbie gold yeah. Yeah. thank you, thank you robbie. good talking with you you thank too you. 17 years that's right. a long so time. long aj legend. yeah still going too i mean he like you said he's gonna go until it falls off he's a lifer i think that guy you know what I mean? Like yeah. you said, coach, he's definitely going to get into coaching. I mean, definitely. Sounds like it. And when he was talking about his brother calling him, his brother's coaching with Tom, probably. Mm -hmm. He's just calling Robbie, mm -hmm. giving all the fucking information. I was like, well, that's what my reaction was. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> what is going on? No, it's probably technique stuff, if I had to guess. Chris was also a kicker. He kicked at University of Virginia. He was a good kicker. Um, it's got to be tough for Bears fans to listen to that. He was in the stadium. Oh, oh boy. Geez. You guys in the stadium. Ah. Looking at it, like, all right, he's got to make it. Yeah. His wife, by the way, is like, he'll make it, right? Yeah. They cut you, remember? She's probably a much nicer person than me, right? <laughs> but I'm saying if I was happy to be in that position, we're in the building or whatever, it's like, could you imagine if he misses this ball right now, Robbie? Oh, that'd be a real shame, wouldn't it? That'd be a real shame. Why'd you guys cut him? You just forced him out? You didn't like him? Oh, uh, no. Chicago absolutely loves him. It was just like, I, I best, it was probably money. You can upgrade but. the position. They did say that publicly. Yeah. And that was a quote he remembered. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, is that right? Then they had, what, nine guys kicking from each the spot or whatever last 43 year? 43 yards. Two years ago in yeah. the offseason? I didn't know he still lived in Chicago either. I bet he just loves it. Like, hey, these guys haven't had a kicker with their <laughs> shit since I left there. They're going to love me forever here. Well, Walks yeah, it's the third biggest city. Store. Robbie! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no double doinks. All right. <laughs>
God, he's so hey, do you, Pat, do you think the GM, like, if you're the GM in Chicago, you have to, if you have a kicker that is solid and he's been very good for you like Robbie, don't you have to think, like, hey, man, we need to really think long and hard if we want to replace this dude because this is one of the most difficult places to kick in the league, too. Like, you can't just bring anybody in. Yeah, lot. the fans are there, always going to be there. They are a passionate group. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mentally. The grass is nine inches long. <laughs> it's windy. Lake effect. I mean, it is. You got basically every mental obstacle there is. And kicking is a mental obstacle. That is all it is. And you get a guy. And even if he does, even if he doesn't have his best year, right? Even if he has a little bit of a down year, it's like, all right, let's assume that this guy's gonna be able to get it back. Much like the Titans did with Goskowski, right? Instead of cutting Goskowski, they're like, let's let's have a little faith that this guy's gonna be able to figure it out, as opposed to insert name of random kicker we found on the internet who might not be able to pick up as much as he's coming out of a six-day COVID protocol or whatever. Those when you cut a kicker, I mean, it is you are rolling the dice. Now, quarterback, obviously, right? Quarterback is the way it is. But when it comes kicker, punter, like if you have a guy, it is very hard to find just an easy replacement. It is very difficult to do. Uh, year before, 33 for 39. <laughs> Pretty good. It's not bad. Uh, take a pay cut. 19th no. best in the league. Like. No, he said. No, I ain't doing it. Hey, remember, he, he uh, demanded a trade one, one time uh, back in when he was in San Francisco as well. That was, that's what I was asking about, by the way. And I, because I remember his family being on the East Coast or being in, in another place was always like talked about, you know, like that was like a rumor in there. And I was like, he wants to leave San Francisco. What is his family? And it's just like, well, they haven't given me a deal that's like, I can move my family out here. That's all basically like, you get this, but only if this type situation. It's, I don't know. It's a wild game, Miss NFL. It's a wild game. Big thanks to Robbie. <laughs> I don't think he knows anything about what we're talking about currently. He might have some analytics. Well, he probably does, actually. But the thing, well, actually, <laughs> the um, the next week masker thing, I'm pumped to hear his, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. who's he think? Does he have a, a breakdown of who he thinks are potentially some names that there are coming? Because he's been able, he's the person, you listen to what Diana said that her source told her about it. It was basically like, hey, we're looking at our every contract and we win without it. He probably has Anna. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, a man who has a glorious mustache, a great Twitter account, an incredible website, and a way to break down analytics, uh, except for one tweet he put out that even the dumbest of people can understand. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Warren Sharp. Yeah. Thank you, sir. What were you doing putting that graph? What was that? <laughs> there, the, the purpose of that is not to actually be able to adjust everything. It's just really quickly, holy shit, look at what all these teams are doing. And, uh, and, and you can get a little bit of general scope as to which teams are spending a lot versus a little, but you do have to pinch and zoom. You're not, you're not going to be able to see it unless you pinch and zoom on that one, my friend. Warren. I felt like you slapped my intelligence right in the mouth <laughs> when you tweeted that. What did you What did you think about? There you go. There's this on the screen for everybody who's watching at home. But did you Did you like the next one, the pie chart? Yes. To simplify it. the pie chart. By the way, uh, I think we have that as well. That was the thing that really saved the entire day because it does say like, hey, here's the people who win, uh, or here's the people that lose that spend money, and then here's the small slither of apple pie or whatever it may be. Uh, do teams that overspend 
in free agency win games. Uh, no, uh, but no, but in yellow, you said the entire thing. In the overspend is an interesting because who judges that? And also, do you go deeper into it where you think to yourself like, this team had to spend in free agency because their team stunk to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, do you get that deep in analytics? Because Oh, they- yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, good. Okay, so let, let, let's, pretend, let's pretend that there's a really smart owner out there that says, you know what? I want to take Pat away from radio. I want him and the boys to come run my football team. I want him and the boys to figure out what we're going to do in free agency. If you guys went into that meeting room and decided what to do in free agency and you had a losing team, that's the reason they brought you in, because the team had a losing record. If you guys went out and said, we're going to spend top 10 free agency, we're going to bring in a lot of people, and we're going to try to move from a losing team to a winning team in just one season, you will have less of a chance of moving from a losing team to a winning team by spending top 10 free agency dollars than if you did not do that. So it is, I mean, you know, you know, factually, although the NFL tries to be equitable and tries to give the worst team the best draft pick and tries to say, well, if you lose uh, free players in free agency, we'll give you extra draft picks in the form of compensatory picks. Even despite all of that, it's hard to turn a losing team into a winning team. It's even more difficult when you spend top 10 free agency dollars. And there's obvious reasons why that would be. Yeah, and there's only like, what, probably two or three GMs in the NFL that could draft their way into winning. Uh, also, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but missing on free agency seems to happen on a regular basis for bad teams, and it works for good teams because the players are normally willing to take a little bit less cash to go play for that team in lieu of winning. With that being said, ha- Diana Rossini tweeted that she was talking to an NFL head coach, and next week is going to be a massacre, she said, basically, with the salary cap it is. Have you got a chance to look at all these contracts and see who are some potential names that are going to come out? Or have you looked into this at all? Because this has been very fascinating. Kyle Van Noy, Kyle Rudolph, Golden Tate already gone. Next week, it's supposed to get even worse. Nobody has a clue what the salary cap's going to be. What are your thoughts on it? So I have some thoughts, not on specific names. I don't want to throw anybody out there who hasn't been let go. We don't know what the status is going to be. But what we do know is the salary cap has risen over the last several seasons. And so... Prior to the pandemic, we would have assumed with new TV deals on the horizon that the salary cap would continue to rise, but it did not, obviously. And so teams have less to work with this offseason. And you are going to see, in my estimation, exactly what Diana said. We're going to see a lot of guys getting cut. And what we're also going to see is a lot of those players who were unlikely to do this in the past are going to be very likely to take short-term one-year deals because they want to hit free agency again next season when potentially teams have a lot more money to spend in free agency at that point in time. And as a result of that, you're going to have a lot of very savvy GMs with the potential to turn their team's fortunes for 2021 very quickly by spending intelligently. And looking back, teams have been able to do that over the last four years to begin with. The last four Super Bowl champions were able to build their Super Bowl winning roster by dabbling in free agency, but spending less than the NFL average team was doing in free agency, but still acquire critical talent. If you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, you could say this team bought their way to a Super Bowl. They brought Tom Brady in via free agency and all these other guys via free agency. The fact of the matter is of the 15 unrestricted free agents that they signed, the only one that they signed to a multiple year deal was Tom Brady. All other 14 guys took one year team friendly deals. And we saw the same 
thing happened when the Philadelphia Eagles went to the Super Bowl and won in 2017 and beat Brady's Patriots. We saw them go out and get Nick Foles and give him backup quarterback money. He obviously ends up winning the Super Bowl himself as the quarterback, but he was a free agent in the 2017 season. And a lot of other guys like Alshon Jeffrey, their number three wide receiver, LeGarrette Blunt, their number one running back, key contributors on the defensive side of the football. All these guys were on short-term, one-year deals that they acquired via free agency. So the point here, Pat, is that Diane is absolutely correct. And we should be able to see a lot more GMs get very aggressive in this free agency period to try to turn their teams around because I think that it can be done pretty quickly. Dumpy. Warren, why the hell did the Dolphins release Kyle Van Noy? (laughs) So I don't know the specifics around him besides deciding that they wanted to move in a different direction. They made a – I previewed this last offseason – how are the Dolphins going to look different defensively this year? I expected a massive change because of all the young and cheap players that they had on their 2019 roster. And they went in, and their GM and their head coach went in and made a strategic effort and concerted effort to bring in a lot of these guys via free agency last offseason. They did that. They got a lot older. They got a lot more intelligent defensively, a lot more experience in that system. I can't tell you what happened there. That, that was a little bit of a shock to me other than um, trying to save future money, and they didn't feel that the player was worth it. But he was shocked. I was shocked. I'm sure his agent was shocked. Yeah, I'm excited to see where Kyle Van Noy ends up. He'll tell us what happened hopefully one day, uh, either here or on his Twitch stream, which is incredible. Um, is there any analytics that show that your team should give up three first-round draft picks uh, for Russell Wilson or, like, Deshaun Watson? Are there any are there any alarming analytics that you have dove into that say, like, if you get Deshaun or Russell on your team, they'll count for, like, three, four wins or anything? Like, Is there anything like that in your world? Or how do you feel about the potential worth whenever it comes to draft picks for a player-type situation? Well, the problem is we haven't had a lot of instances where we've been able to prove if that's correct, where we've been able to say, okay, let's let's find examples where a team gave up three first-rounders for a a quarterback like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, and were they right to do so or not. So a lot of this is conjecture and speculation based on the data. That being said, I would rather have a guy like Deshaun Watson because he's substantially younger than I would – Russell Wilson if I'm giving up that level of draft capital. Now, I absolutely love Russell Wilson, but I think that Deshaun Watson is going to be worth more on the marketplace than Russell Wilson would be at this point in time. Diggs. So there was a report earlier today that the Patriots are not impressed with any of the quarterbacks in free agency. Now you have Cam Newton, Jacoby Brissett, Trubisky, Fitzpatrick. Would you roll with Jameis? Would you roll with any of those guys um, before, say, maybe taking like Mac Jones? Uh, later in the draft, if you're the Patriots, like fifth over fifteenth overall. Oh, Mac ain't uh, Mac nah. ain't making it to fifteen. He's going top ten. Yeah, he's going maybe top five. Josh Allen reincarnated. That's what people are saying. It all depends on what the Patriots' goals are this season. If they don't Wait. mind tanking, then you want to roll with a, a younger guy and try to build around him and set yourself up for future success year two, year three. That's the key with these young quarterbacks is you want to get them in, you want to give them experience, and then you want to try to have a roster that's capable of supporting them on a run deep into the playoffs in year two, three, or four. So if if, Bel- if Belichick says, I don't care about this season, let's just go after a quarterback, then that's what you would want to do. If you can't get Mac Jones, then you could plug Jameis Winston in. Look, 
Jameis, in my opinion, would give you absolutely nothing less than what Cam Newton was able to give you last year, but that's still not getting you to the playoffs. They are getting back a number of guys via uh, opt-outs from last season. And in addition, they have more capital to work with. They're, they've got more cap room. they got better draft picks than they typically have. So there is a lot that Belichick could do this offseason. But as we said, typically you're not going to turn a franchise from a losing record to a winning record in just one offseason. It's going to be interesting to see how Belichick does this because I think he is the type of coach with a the type of teaching skills that will be able to elevate talent and does have a good baseline of general talent there. Uh, but they've got a lot of work to do. I, I, do, I think Jameis Winston would be a fine, adequate quarterback in the NFL still, uh, but I don't think he's winning a Super Bowl for you. I saw him throw a deep ball on Nickelodeon. It was yeah. yeah. It was Dude, unbelievable, perfect. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Through an absolute time. What do you have, Ty? Warren, do you have any uh, predictive models for any other sports, or have you considered Ooh. it? Like, do you have a uh, like a calculation for who's going to win the NCAA tournament right March now? Madness. Yeah, who should we bet on West Virginia? I do not know because I do not have a model. I spend oh all my, of my God. time focusing on the NFL. So, Come on, dude. You know, Warren. I'm useless for anything else. To be honest. So are you in there like coding your algorithms and things? When you say your model, what does that mean? You're like writing this? Yeah, I, I've got an algorithm that basically tells me what the totals and sides should be set at from a Vegas perspective on the NFL games. And so there's a lot of data that gets filtered into that model. And um, I'm constantly tweaking it every single season. But I'm also looking at other things that don't have anything necessarily to do with that model, that predictive algorithm itself. But I'm looking at analytics from the prior season, from 2020. I'm looking at, well, what were teams doing differently from like a play action rate, uh, uh, a pre-snap motion rate? What are these teams doing? What were some teams doing differently than 2019? And how did that impact their odds of winning games and that sort of thing? So it's a lot your, of work. So you give yourself like homework? You're like, all right, on Monday from <laughs> noon to two, I'm going to work on third downs in the NFL in 2018. And that, is that what you do? I, I create lists. I create to-do lists every single day, and I stay up very late at night, so I'm just scribbling notes at, at very late hours of what I need to do the next day or the next week, and I just set deadlines for myself. And absolutely, I'm looking into third-down conversion rate, which which hinges primarily on the yards to go on third down, which hinges on what teams are doing on early downs, which hinges on their decision-making on first down and their aggressiveness. So like, I'm, I'm building all Football. of these things in. I'm trying to figure out where the league is headed and what teams can do better to try to take advantage of the rules. Well, we appreciate your hard work in there, okay? That is a place that I will never go, but the yeah. fact that we get a chance to utilize your brain in this world evaluating football, we are thankful, sir. Your mustache looks better than ever, I'd say, today. <laughs> Thank you, sir. No, nope. Appreciate it. No problem. At Sharp Football, ladies and gentlemen, Warren Sharp. Thank yeah. you, AJ, Russell Wilson news took quite a turn today on our show, talking to NFL insider, ESPN uh, pundit Diana Rossini. She said that people have been calling Seattle and Seattle's been calling people and me immediately overreacting. Wait a minute, I said. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do what and Diana's never done this, but her employer ESPN does to mm -hmm. things that get said 
in other places. I'm going to go, wait a minute. Did you just say that the Seattle Seahawks are shopping Russell Wilson? And she had to clear that up uh, on the show and in a tweet that <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they are not shopping, but they have made calls or whatever from what they're being told. Now there's more and more information rolling out behind the scenes about the information or about the relationship between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. I believe a lot of the information we had been hearing from first was coming from Team 3. Okay, from Russell Wilson's team. I believe this new piece of information is coming from the Seattle Seahawks side of this thing. In a tweet thread from Doovy Kleiman, he tweets, uh, Doovy Kleiman, by the way, at NFL underscore D-O-V-K-L-E-I-M-A-N. We get a lot of information. He is a sniffer of the internet for sports news and he kind of rounds it all up Uh, the rift between russell wilson and the seahawks is happening because wilson believes he's a top five quarterback all time time and he also believes that he isn't currently even viewed as a top 10 quarterback all time what time he thinks seattle is holding him back with certain decisions uh parenthesis personnel forward slash scheme (laughs) if you're wondering what the issue between the two sides is because now after carroll gave him full reign of the offense in 2020 russell Russell couldn't maintain high level of success for even one full season, parenthesize. Uh, the second half of 2020 was a turnover-filled mess, parenthesize. So they no longer trust him to be the focal point. So now we have Russell versus Pete standoff. But let's not forget, Carroll was criticized for years for being too nice to Russell, so the dynamic has now shifted. Wilson wants to play in an offense that allows him to look like an MVP quarterback in his own team doesn't trust him. So you put that alongside what Dynamic. Diana told us that she's been hearing about Seattle calling some teams. Russell Wilson's out of Seattle. See ya. Mm-hmm. This is something that, this is a personal thing. Dan Orslovsky said it on this show. Uh, he said he thought that the Deshaun Watson thing uh, was going to end bad because it was personal. The Russell Wilson thing uh, was just Football is what he said. Now, from the more information, it sounds like this is potentially personal. What are you? What are you? What's what's going on? I don't want to say this is our fault. You want to pop it up? Yeah, Uh, let let Pat react. You want to pop it up? Yeah. Come on. The Saints are releasing longtime punter Thomas Morstead. They spelled his fucking name wrong. (laughs) Come on. There's no E after the R. New Orleans held on to rookie punter Blake Gillikin all season, and he's likely the future at the position. Move saves two point five million in cap space. I said this yesterday. No, you didn't say it. Tony did. (laughs) Tony said his name yesterday. I said I knew it was coming. I, I, I literally yesterday, as we're talking about it, you know, we kind of got we're getting caught up in the hype every day. I mean, we'll talk about Russell here in a second, but you, you get caught up in the salary cap and the 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 cuts that are going to happen. A massacre was said, and they're they're trying to save any dollar they can. It hit me right in the face yesterday. That means kickers and punters. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. That means kickers and punters. And here we are, uh, probably exactly twenty four hours. Yeah. From that moment happening, Will Lutz has been asked to re, uh, renegotiate his contract. Thomas Morstead, who was drafted the same year as me, uh, has been a pro bowler. Uh, last year did not have his best year. He's now been waived. He's on the streets. I mean, this is going to continue to happen to, to kicking and punting positions around the NFL, I fear. And uh, Thomas had a hell of a run at the New Orleans Saints. He was the one to kick the ambush onside kick in the second half uh, to open the second half of the Super Bowl in which the Saints beat the Indianapolis Colts team I was a part of. Son of a bitch. He wasn't even that good of an onside kicker, but that moment, he was absolutely unbelievable, and he only got better and better. A man who I would say 
for a long stretch of his career, was the most consistent bomber in the NFL. A guy who uh, taught me how to punt has now been cut, basically. And I assume he's going to continue to go. I saw a workout with him this morning, getting back into great shape. I don't know if he was hurt last year. I'm, I fear that this is going to happen a lot, though, over the next few days. Fuck. Well, if, if, think about it, though. If a team can save 2.5 mil by cutting the punter, it's going to happen. Like I know, I'm sure Thomas Moore said it had a feeling that this was going to happen. You're $61 million over the cap. Yeah, they're going to save wherever they can. Oh, no. What? <laughs> well, I'm also watching the internet unfold with what Diana said about Russell oh. ha- happen on my phone. Sure. As well as now I'm dealing with a good friend of mine getting cut here to save $2.5 million. I mean, it's a wild time to be alive. I mean, we were, as Diana said um, a lot of GMs had the reactions that you had about JJ's contract and now unfortunately we're correct about this happening to punters and kickers so ipso facto you could definitely be an NFL GM yeah it feels like I'm kind of on cue with general manager's thoughts uh, Thomas will will land on his feet somewhere and he'll punt the ball well he loved New Orleans though I know that he was pretty deep in it what's that I would like to take this moment to Packers. welcome uh, Thomas to Pittsburgh right. the city will love him we will embrace him with open arms um, I'll tell you what or Green Bay yeah yeah now we're talking hey, I'll tell you what, what this punter market becomes a buyer's market yeah <laughs> you know what if the, there's gonna be some kickers that are out there that are very good that are not gonna have a team that is gonna be something that happens yeah Okay, let's get back to Russell, though. Thomas, good run. (laughs) Anyways, this Russell Wilson thing's continuing to cook. It seems like it is much uglier behind the scenes than we could have ever imagined. When Shoddy got fired, who was the offensive coordinator who believed in let Russ cook this past season, and then Pete Carroll came out and said that there was philosophical differences, and the philosophical difference was Shoddy believed that Russell Wilson could cook and win games all by himself. Pete Carroll said we got to be able to run the ball more. I automatically assumed that Pete Carroll thought that because that would help out the offensive line and the protection of Russell Wilson to make the whole team better. But here we are. It seems like Russell Wilson's team, and maybe Russell Wilson himself took that as a direct shot from Pete Carroll uh, that they can't win that way. And this thing has kind of gotten to a point where maybe Russell goes somewhere else this year, AJ. I mean, it, it sure seems to be trending in that direction. Think about it, though. In that, in those tweets from old Doovie Kleiman, he, he mentioned how in the past Pete has been criticized for being too nice to Russell or not holding him accountable like they do maybe some other players. Pete was his guy. And now if Pete's not his guy and they're having this rift, yeah, you would think he's out of there. And maybe is this Pete and GM John Snyder trying to like take control back of the team saying like, Hey, no, this is run from the top. Like you can't hijack our whole team of the narrative. It feels like they're trying to get the narrative back here, right? That's because uh, if you look at the parenthesis from Doovie there, which was a turnover riddled mess or whatever yeah. he said, I mean, you could tell yeah. the, the, which by the way, it was everything I, yeah. that they said here. He threw four or something in one he had game. Like twelve total turnovers in like a four game span. We were getting yelled at for not talking about yeah. him being MVP enough from the Seahawks fans, who are, I assume, devastated to hear this news that's going on right now with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, always, I mean, there's a lot of tweets I'm reading where yeah. people are like, "Oh, shut the fuck up!" Like this is bullshit. Like that type of stuff. It's like, what if? Because Russ or Pete could have came out by now. Yep. Absolutely, but does it do? Would it do Pete any favors if he came out and spoke on this right now? No, but Russ could have definitely come out and spoke about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, at any of why would you when you can all your all your messages can get filtered out there through T three? Well, that's what I'm saying though. Like, if this was all, you know, like if this was all, Russ could say like none of this, yeah. yeah, like none of this is 
You know what I mean? Like, it could be like JJ, like, I don't own a Peloton or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or no one's speaking. Like no me. one from my team is speaking out. Like, you know what I mean? Like that type of, that could happen. So whenever, and now that is unfair to Russell if this is all bullshit that he has to take time out of his life to say that the conversations around a top five quarterback of all time, okay? In his eyes. Uh, well, what he wants to be viewed as. Mm-hmm. We're going to have conversations on whether or not he's going to remain at the team that he's been with since he got drafted. So, like, I can understand where it's not really fair for him to have to address every bullshit rumor that comes out. But this seems to be one that is only getting – it's only growing stronger at this point, this entire thing. I mean, it's growing stronger. It's also not like it came out of nowhere. Like, he was the one that started stirring this pot. Uh-huh. So Team I mean, three. Yeah, exactly. And then he had an interview morning of. On Dan Patrick and didn't put any of this stuff to bed, really. It was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I guess you, we'll see. Can you look at the tape and be like, I didn't play my best football either? Because that is what happened. Russ, Maybe. In the, Russ in the second half of the season was the worst he's looked in years. But it, did he look bad because of, uh, parentheses, of personnel and scheme? Yeah. yeah. But he also wasn't running either. Like in years past. So hold on. If he hates the scheme, go back to that tweet, parentheses, please. He thinks Seattle is holding him back with certain decisions, parentheses, personnel, scheme. Is that scheme going forward or scheme that has happened? Because this past scheme, right, was to make him an MVP, basically. We're going to put this whole thing on your shoulder. Now it's like it's talking about scheme going forward. I don't want to be a handoff machine. Is that what he's talking about? He liked Because he liked Shoddy. He wanted to keep him. You have to assume so, too. Remember, Carroll said he wanted to put an emphasis on the run game. Yeah, he loves running. Probably a philosophical difference. He's going to Miami, ain't he? Yeah. Yes, he and is. Anybody, hey, Pat, anybody that comes from Pete Carroll's system, like, all they care about is the ball. Like, they have all these little things they say throughout the, throughout the day of how we're going to take the ball away defensively and offensively. We want to take care of the ball. Like, that's the number one thing, that that, that whole system. Any coach that's come from Pete's system kind of has that, and they, they put it into their team. The ball, the ball, the ball. They have like they probably have nineteen different footballs around, like stationed around the league that are on those big springs. You got to go by and chop at it every time you walk by, like things like that. Oh, really? I like. That. Haven't you seen a lot of colleges have them? But yeah, they're like balls, like on these footballs stuck on these springs coming out of the wall, or when you're going through a doorway or whatever. I'm happy they've evolved the just like dip rip around every. <laughs> you know what I mean? Back in the day, uh, you just had to dip rip around every corner. You would see like every guy basically like go around a corner, and they're like just you know every single little wall crevice could get it. You know, at any given moment, just to practice natural habits. I like the fact that they're putting like dummies out there. Okay, mm-hmm. now when you turn a corner, you got to hit the guy in the face. You know what I mean? Like I like that there's balls. You said on springs. There's balls on springs. I don't- I don't know if Pete has that in Seattle, but I know I know there's definitely places that do that. That's awesome. That is any, anything's <laughs> anything's better than uh, is there? Are they going to be able to put anything in the facility to stop guys from fake backing me down into the paint when there's no hoop and no ball, and all of a sudden they're backing <laughs> me down like we're playing basketball? Oh man, I used to love it. They get so mad. You would hate me so bad. Guys would try to like, they'd act like they were they were they wanted me to d them up, and I would just keep walking and never even. Look. <sighs> I'll tell you what, the locker room got me prepared for real life, though. I was walking through New York one time with my wife. We're walking, and a kid did this to me or whatever, and I fucking just straight broke Mm -hmm. down and then swatted his fake shot, okay? He was around his crew, too, Uh and me and my wife hand back in, walk off, moment just happened back there. The locker room prepared me for that, though, because as soon as somebody walks up to you, there is a chance that it's going to, you know what I mean? There's a chance that it's going to be a four. Oh, and then you got to. 
People have been got, by the way, with no oh, yeah. ball. You can't really call it travel, so that's a, quite an advantage when there's no ball. Also in New York, uh, some some kid thought he was going get, to get the edge on you. He hit a pass at and fucking stonewalled the shit out of him. I remember that as well. <laughs> I am all about public situations happening, you know what I mean? Especially if the other person gets it. Like when I swatted that kid, he like buried his head, you know what I mean? It was like, uh, hey, thanks for playing along. Yep, he knew. So you did a, you did one on one pass rush with a New York citizen? Yeah, a guy went to do like a a guy went to do like a uh, I don't know if he's a citizen of New York. He might have been visiting like us. We were yeah. not from there, but he did like a little bit of a rip thing. Yeah. I like got fucking washed down. You got to be ready for those moments. They don't happen a lot. That's like. That's why Baker and M seen at UFO. Like, yeah. hey, they were ready for that moment. That's not going to happen. You got to be ready for those moments. No, that they they weren't ready. They need their they need their phones out. They needed video footage. The only thing that would have made that pass rush better is if you would have taken a set and just pushed them right into oncoming traffic and the taxi just blasted. <laughs> what if it was a screen? What if I treated it like a screen? Like, all right, club. <laughs> if you would have caught a fake, if Sam would have thrown you a fake ball <laughs> into the street, that would have been the greatest video ever. <sighs> I have such ADD when I'm walking with Sam, by the way. She's just like doing her thing. It's stop. You know what I mean? The whole, like, uh, it's a blast. Walking is one of our favorite. City walking is one of our favorite things. We uh, find some CBD and we just kind of waltz around. Oh, it's a good time. I wonder if those will ever come back. Will that ever come back? Yeah. Will my public pass that ever come back in any other state? back. Yeah. Go to Texas. Go to Mississippi. uh, Mississippi's open as well? Yeah. I never would have guessed Mississippi was going to no. be number two. Never would have guessed. It is. <laughs> Full stadiums next season. Fucking um, uh, uh, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is like, uh, yeah, you want to come play in front of fans? Fucking come. You come right here. Great recruiting. I'm pretty sure they had like 50,000 at Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State this year. Who was that? Stipe said he went to that Browns game where they said they had 24,000. He was like, 24,000. Yeah. He said it felt like a lot more yeah. than 24,000. Uh, we were talking earlier in the show before you got here about how the reopening of everything now is a whole new bag of tricks that we didn't even you know could have considered coming out of this whole thing i saw in the nightly news last night the anxiety of people going back into public and uh, there's always going to be people that are ready to go i think we're in an interesting time to be alive right now agent yeah we are we're in a, it's going to be a really weird transition because now even it's happening in texas like the mask mandate is off but then some businesses are still saying no you still need to wear a mask if you're here like there's all like there's such a weird in between here for probably the next year i hope it's just for the next year you know? Yeah, you're right. Probably longer. No. I hope not. Let's go to uh, Clay in Boston. What's going on, bub? What up, Pat? How's it going to you and the boys? Shout out to uh, Foxy for that beautiful uh, bet last night. Yeah, he's got him coming again. There's another one up there. Fade Foxy odds boost is something you can find at FanDuel. It is 17-7 and seven over the last 24 days. It is a moneymaker. I will tell you that. Thank you very much. Oh, no, Foxy. So he's picking Michigan over Michigan State. So no. he's doing this strictly for himself. Foxy bet on Michigan over Michigan State no, tonight. He's, ta- he's, he's taking Michigan State to cover the 12 and a half. No, no. If that's fade. 
That's he's going Foxy. Oh, this scumbag. So Foxy's oh, just using him, his bro. mush to get help. Get No, no, this is this his scumbag. Clay, we don't have it. a lot of time, but we just found what out what Foxy scumbag. did. What a piece of shit. Oh, wow. That's my first time seeing that, by the way. Foxy has direct connect to FanDuel now. So he's and making that. That's my first time seeing that. I did not know he was using his his jinxing powers to help out his alum. Wow. I mean, I finally, oh, finally man, I wasn't on Hammer along. Down yesterday. I went 4-0. and oh. he's, he's, Yeah, he's never allowed back. He's not allowed in the room All right, anymore. Clay, sorry, we only got like 30 seconds. What do you want to talk about, brother? No worries, man. Uh, hey, just wanted to give you a heads up on a badass documentary. I know you love the uh, Intimidator thing. Not a NASCAR fan, but you got to check out The Golden Hour. It is beast. It's behind the scenes of Days of Thunder and how they made that movie. Okay, thank yeah. you, Clay. Appreciate that. I do like a good documentary. I don't know if it's going to be better than the Intimidator. I think I'm at my max of NASCAR docs, but I'll check out the Golden Hour <laughs> next year. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show. The fact that you do, we are eternally grateful for. Tomorrow, great Feel Good Friday. Oh, huge show tomorrow. Hey, big show tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm pumped about it. So am I. Be a friend, tell a friend. Let's grow this thing as much as possible. Um, and hey, have a great Thursday night. Ty, please play some Year of the Buffalo for our boy Trego. Please continue to send your positive thoughts and prayers for our guy, Jacob Trago. You're mm -hmm. the Buffalo's lead singer. You'll hear his angelic voice here soon. Mm -hmm. uh, we're pulling for you, brother. You'll beat this thing. No big deal. We'll be back tomorrow. Feel good Friday. Have a Thursday. No more lies a day. I got bills to pay. And it's my right to say when my days are done. I got wants and needs. I got hands that bleed. Cause there are miles to feed More than one This old road I'm heading down again Like I'd always done before These old lies I tell myself again How this time it just means more I got aches and pains I got eyes and strength See what I've gained in losing you I can't sleep at night I should have held you tight Thought I knew wrong from right But that ain't true It's your road I'm heading down again Like I'd always done before These old lies I tell myself this time it just means more Now this time it just means more
just means more This old road I'm heading down again Like I'd always done before These old lies I tell myself again How this time it just means This time it just means more. How this time.